Welcome to this week's edition of Record Roundtable, where we more frequently now talk about a band or an artist or whatever it might be. And this week we're talking about Johnny Cash. Johnny Cash. Well, a train driver, he pulled up to the toll gate, and the man hollered and asked him what all he had on board, and he said, I got livestock, I got livestock. I don't know where I went with like a, uh, like, I went with like a shining version. Yeah. You got to tone a down. A Jack Nicholson version you gotta, of my intro, if you You got to tone down those W's. Johnny Cash That's, is going to be on this show. This is Caleb Robinson speaking. I'm here with Jared. This is Tyler. I don't want to do that. You t- this week, we're talking about Johnny Cash. Johnny. Johnny Cash. And how do we feel about talking about Johnny Cash, thinking about Johnny Cash? Tyler, you've got me interested. Before we even started recording, you said, Johnny Trash. You did say that. I like Johnny Cash for the most part, but what I've learned this week is I've I've always enjoyed Johnny Cash, but I I don't want to listen to it all the time. Yeah, he, yeah. It, he's just very difficult to listen to because his early work is all very similar. It sure. always tends to start off with a little pluck pattern mm-hmm. and then go into some chordies, and then someone gets hanged at the end. A little is, bit of blues, a <laughs> little bit of rockabilly, a little bit of country. Somebody's gonna die. So and then. Uh, which is okay, but I don't want it every song. And then the way that albums worked at the time and of course, over the course of his career means that we listened to lots of albums this week and I didn't get to listen to Ring of Fire if someone didn't just stick it at the end as a single song. Right, right, right. So, and, he, and there's also lots of – if I have to listen to uh, I Walk the Line one more time, yeah. I'm pretty much not going to have to be – I mean, well, I think you know what I'll do. I'll go out to the West and shoot some people and get hunged. So I think you might have I to. might have to. So it, Johnny Cash is good, and he certainly has a place. I'm willing to say, and I don't really care what you think about it, in, in, people oh, out there. Okay, uh, I do care, but at the same time, I think that some people will agree with me that his later work, and that in fact, mo- pretty much all of the American work is the best work that he did. Oh my God, yes. No, no, no. no. There's uh, I. Okay, so that was actually right where I wanted to get to, but I knew we need to start early. So really, we should start early, but I do want that to be like really the predominant conversation. Yeah, well, I think it's I think it's worth talking about, but I I yes. think that that's probably the that's definitely the work I'm drawn to more. Yes. Although I like a lot of like I love Ring of Fire and I like the horns in it. I like the way it feels. It the has horns. a very Southwest feel. That's very I think it's fun. And I think it's I, I enjoy listening. I can listen to that song many more times than I can listen to I Walk the Line. Uh, but not all of his music has that, which is unfortunate because I think if he had a little bit of more of that playing in over the course of time. Uh, maybe it would it would have added a level of variety that I think is much needed in his early discography. So, so what I'll say about that is is I think that we are far more familiar with the later work of Johnny Cash, and the reason for that is because we've had more time to kind of familiarize ourselves with it. And so I think that, and I I think a lot of it's worth just even mentioning kind of briefly is that a lot of our perception and our understanding of Johnny Cash just comes from the film. You know, and sure. I think that the American recordings is something that maybe it doesn't capture as much. So I think that that really is maybe the more um, compelling conversation to have is to dig into the American recordings yeah. ultimately. But I do think it's worth getting into some of the early portions. I too. own one Johnny Cash album. Do you? Wholesome yeah. Prison? Nope. Oh. It's American. American oh. Five. Oh. American Five. Which is the best American. We'll talk about it later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's fair. Five? Yep. Okay, fine. Well, let me Anyways, go. I'll Jared, well, hold, you, you know? Jared... So I know that really Johnny Cash, and I think this makes sense because, again, I've known you for literally the entirety of my life and the majority of your life, is that Johnny Cash was really our into country music. Yes. And I'm sorry. you have been... American 4. 
Mm-hmm. That's what I thought it was four. That's why I was confused. You said five. Yeah, four. Anyways, I don't know that four is the best. Not the point. It's the best. Oh we'll get gosh. there. We'll get there. Come, we could just. I know that Johnny Cash was our intro into country music, and I know that you have been the person out of the really the three of us to kind of embrace country music more than anybody else, really. So, like, Fair how point. do you think? He's a hickerbilly. He's a hickerbilly. What is it that you think about Johnny Cash is maybe even what informed you to come to that point? Or what is it that you think about Johnny Cash has really kind of been the informative point for other country artists? Because there's, of course, a lot of country that isn't informed by Johnny Cash. But I think he is important. Okay. I'll answer three questions. Please. Maybe <laughs> six or seven if we can. How many American are there? Uh, so, t- yes, I would say... That Johnny Cash is the the introduction of us to country music. I'd say that's probably accurate. Um, at the same time that Walk the Line came out with Joaquin Phoenix and Reese Witherspoon in 2005, I also received a Greatest Hits CD from Johnny Cash that kind of came out in correlation with. So I appreciated both at the same time. That's true. So this week I did rewatch uh, Walk the Line. I thought that was with uh, John C. Riley and Jenna Fisher. Different movie. Oh, that's different. Sorry. Different movie. That movie is okay. Oops. It's like a shot for shot <laughs> remake. It's so. Is weird. it really? I never watched. It. I watched it. It was so simple. Like there's like the bits are in there where it's like this is different. You don't want no part of this, Dewey. It gives you a boner. <laughs> you should probably mention what film you're talking about. Is Dewey Cox. Walk, walk, walk hard. Walk hard. Dewey. Yeah. The story of Dewey Cox. Yeah, yeah. it's an okay movie. But I, it's obviously, bad. I prefer uh, Walk the Line. I would hope so. Um, it's certainly more thrilling. It's real. It's gripping and it makes me think of my own life. When it when they play, uh, I haven't seen the movie. Does anybody get murdered at the very beginning of? Uh, Wrong Cox kid life? died. Wrong kid. Yeah, that died. that did happen in Dewey Cox. Oh no, they, they with a child. Wrong oh, brother. No. Wrong kid died. <laughs> oh dear God, go on. I don't. I shouldn't have even asked. Cause all right, I'll spoil it, it for you. Don't listen if you haven't seen it. He cuts him in half with a machete. Clean, clean through. What's the word I'm looking for? He cleaves him. Mm. What's the word when you cut someone at something in half? I don't know. It's a nice word. Decapitate. For it. We'll think about it later. Sure. Uh, but Body his father, capitate. his father is sorely disappointed because the other son who died was the the prodigal, yes. and Dewey Cox sucks uh. to his father. So wrong kid died. That's what happened in Walk the Line. I so. think it was a little different. Wrong kid died. So let's move. Cleaved him. We hear you, Tyler. Stop we can hear you. We've spent enough time on this. In tr- in there's a yelling. word. There's a word. No, oh, well. Okay, so uh, yeah, I I see Cash's influence on con- country music uh, to a certain extent, and just like regular music too, it's wild. Like he, uh, the amount of time that he has been deceased, mm-hmm. and the fact that his music still is played in things, right? Uh, from the American recording, was it two thousand three that he passed away? It was uh, right around no, there. I think it was four or five because he four or five. the movie came out in fo- two thousand five. Okay, and I think he had just. It was oh, it was September of 03. 03? Okay, okay. I thought it was 03. I so just he died. Sure I was right. Two, but because yeah. I thought because I think that four came out in two thousand two. That was his last album to come out while still alive. Well, so uh, yeah, an interesting thing that I uh, found is his like still even current influence is that so his son, uh, who kind of takes over the estate basically who has taken over the estate found all these lyrics in his house and so what he did was he has had uh, several current artists uh 
perform these songs and kind of rewriting them a little bit a la there's no uh, music wagon it's just, wheel it's just lyrics yeah it's okay. just lyrics from what i yeah so they're taking you know the uh that aspect and making it into a song and also probably reworking some of the lyrics potentially i'm not 100 percent sure but they just had another like deluxe edition of that um cd come out just like a month or two ago. Mm-hmm. So I was paying attention to uh, the Johnny Cash YouTube channel and they were releasing like mu- music videos and stuff. Um, Marty Stewart, who was his guitarist for a long time uh, at various points, it was on this and uh, um, several other people that are in current, uh, in country and other things. Um, Morgan Waller? No, he's not. We're not. <laughs> no, he's not. He's not. Oops. He's not. He's Oops. Not. Oops. So, uh, yeah. But like Johnny Cash would have never gone to that bar, probably not. No. Well, he 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 was. Uh, he would have been very old and sick. Well, true. he also was uh, a recovering alcoholic. That's true. Too. So that's, that's another true. aspect. Yeah, I think. We would I think I've there. answered the questions to the best of my ability. <laughs> We're really off track here. So here's another thing too. So you mentioned that his um his son found like a bunch of the writing, yeah. which I think is an odd an odd thing to find in a certain extent because really i think that one way to look at johnny cash too and it makes sense because this was a predominant way of recording music especially in the 50s 60s and so on is that he did a lot of standards so like if you look at like his his debut album which of course we started with the debut album as we often do it is a lot of standards but a lot of his most well-known songs are still his written songs yeah and i think that that's kind of interesting because i guess when i went into american recordings to jump even farther ahead quickly is that I looked at it, it was like, oh man, like he's doing a lot of like cover kind of songs, mm-hmm. but like that's really like a lot of his career. Like he didn't yeah. have to necessarily always make his own original music. A lot of what he would do is he would either you know do standards but do them in his own way, yeah. or he would make his own songs that he would then recycle as if they were his own standards. Yep. They're mo- I mean his covers in terms of the standards and the later co- are mostly good anyway. I yeah. only found one that I didn't like really. What was it? It was a Dylan cover. Oh, really? oh, it ain't me, babe. It ain't me, babe. I don't. You like don't it. like it? No. Oh. The Dylan version is just so much. Better. I don't. Well, I don't fair. like his version it's of hard Danny Boy, Dylan. but that was the uh, only well, one that really nobody me. can do. Danny Boy, right? No. Well, Danny Boy is. I did some research on the history of Danny Boy. Did anyway. you? Oh, no. Yeah, just because like this song week? I found interesting. Yeah, and it's it's a uh, you can't. It's a tune that's uh, was written to a different tune and then changed to a Scottish standard, and you can't really ah. change it too awful much. You just got to do what you got to do. I see. You know, everyone does this. I do want to talk about. Dylan and Cash a little mm-hmm. too. I think that's an interesting conversation so, because to have. I think the, it's valuable. Yeah. The thing that I found really interesting is the person that when Dylan made Nashville Skyline, the Great person album. yes. The person that legitimized him in country music was Johnny, Johnny Cash. Cash right? yes. So that's like super cool that like the folk legend of Bob Dylan was like, I want to make a country album. Who do I pick? And he picked Johnny Cash. I think on top of that, too, I think that Johnny Cash really legitimized Bob Dylan to become the folk legend that he is. I think we all saw him as a folk legend in maybe the 60s for sure. But like once it got around to the point of the time of maybe the 70s or so. 69 was the year on Nashville Skyline. And so when around that time, when like Johnny Cash had his own TV show and he had 
you know, Bob Dylan on. Correct. That was him kind of legitimizing Bob Dylan continuing to be a part of music. Yeah. In the same way, if you fast forward to Rick Rubin being involved in the American recordings, legitimizing sure. Johnny Cash still being in music. Right. It's interesting to see Johnny Cash legitimizing Bob Dylan because when we think about Bob Dylan, we don't think like, you know, we really wouldn't have Bob Dylan in the same capacity if it wasn't for Johnny Cash. It's kind of an well, understanding he, of yeah, go it's ahead. kind of understanding of that country is is an expression of folk music to me. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it is. It comes from folk music, right? I mean, it's kind of a, an alteration on it to an extent. So it's like, hey, which is, I think, part of the choice of Dylan to make a quote-unquote country album anyway, which is more still more folk than country. Yes. But I also find it fun. I like it's interesting. I love the duet that they do, which is uh, uh, Girl from the North Country, which yeah. is the opener to Nashville Skyline that he chose to do with Johnny Cash is to do what with Johnny Cash and it's a cover of a previous song of his from another album. So I think it just all, like it plays in in, the, in a way that I just think is very entertaining to yeah. Cash's career. Because Dylan never, he's not known to do such things. No. You know, he doesn't recycle his own work in that regard. No. So. Well, I mean, he what he does is change songs over the years with yeah. different arrangements sure. at live concerts. So you could go see like Bob Dylan like three years ago and then see him now, and he's completely yeah. rearranged but he the song because put, he's so sick of the same song well, over and over. Yeah, of course. And so he just like that's just the the progression of his music. That's right? kind of the nature of live performance, anyway. I mean, that's why part of the excitement of seeing someone live is seeing what they'll do to a song. Right. You know, some people get mad about it, and I don't think so that Johnny Cash was ever really that guy. I think he no. knew like these are the songs that people want, and yep. that's what I'm going to give yep. them. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think it's just a different approach. I mean, he would change. I mean, we can tell by listening to Folsom Prison. Oh yeah, that he does make changes based off of where he's at, but it's sure. mostly like a lyrical banter change. It's really doesn't. Yeah. There's nothing dramatic that changes in the song. He more just throws in a little bit of things that make sense for the people he's talking to. Sure, or, you know, which is a standard performer thing. So I do think too, because when we talk about like how Dylan made a country album that was a little bit more folk than country, I think that we can really view Cash in the same kind of lens more often than not. I think of Cash more of a twangy folk than I do of him as like a real country artist. See, that's funny. Because I don't like, especially like, so like, I, I hate to keep fast forwarding because I do want to talk about it so much, but I want to keep focusing on different things. If you look at like the first American Recordings album, that is a folk album. That is a folk album. It is just Johnny Cash. It is just his guitar. And so I think that when we uh, conceptualize country music, we tend to think about it just in the vocal performance. And I think that Johnny Cash has a very clear country vocal performance but i think he takes from so many different areas of music that i have a hard time viewing him as just a standard like just a country artist i a, guess a lot of people at the time would have said that he was not a country artist and is a rock artist right which is valid he uh, rock at the time was closer quote unquote to country or mm-hmm. you know vice in terms of you know the way it sounded and it rock kind had of, more blues influence it had more blues influence it used more electric guitar uh, it used, you know, which Cash uses more electric guitar. Sure. My dad would say Johnny Cash wasn't really a country person. He was a rock person, which I think is my dad's way of legitimizing liking Johnny Cash, to be sure. honest with you. But yeah. it's valid. And a lot of people of the time thought so. So it's as time shifts, his music shifts. I mean, I can look at him now and say, yeah, he's if I looked at him now, I would say Johnny Cash is country. And I think that that is really the most suitable place to put him. Sure. Although at the time it seemed different, even even in terms of folk, I wouldn't call him folk especially understanding the breadth of dylan's work over the time and what we know folk artists today you know he just he can change genres based off of what you compare it to which is kind of interesting because he's a bit of a person who defies genres to that extent 
Well, I think that's what makes Johnny Cash kind of one of those, you know, he transcends things in a certain way because what we do very often, I think that that's why Johnny Cash is a good artist to cover. Sorry, you have to cut that out. Um, because one of the, we, we talked about maybe briefly on the John Prine episode, but you know, one of the predominant conversations in music we have is I like everything but country. And I think that Johnny Cash is a very, very good person where people, I think he's one of maybe the clearest indicators of people saying, well, you know, I don't like country. You know, I, I like all music, but I don't like country. But like, you know, Johnny Cash is pretty cool because he's yeah. always the guy that people go back to as like kind of the country standard. And the reason for that is because he has always stepped out of his bounds a little bit. He brings in a little bit of rockabilly on his songs. He brings in a little bit of a different kind of, you know, influence a different kind of take on things and so there's a reason why art like people can kind of separate themselves and say well you know johnny cash was a little bit more of a rock artist well, it's, a little, it's because he brings in other things it's a little he's in general bluesier when, and i think in terms of his that's in terms of the makeup of the song of the music and i think in his the content of his songs are he it's funny he addresses topics that are not necessarily country but uses country figures to do so. Yeah. So that's kind of where he goes to, right? It, uh, he's got lots of cowboys. And as I mentioned, they always, a lot of times they do something, half the time, here's what it is. Here's his thing. Here's a Johnny Cash song. You got a cowboy. Or you're looking at a cowboy. And that cowboy either done something wrong. Uh-oh. And is going to die. Mm-hmm. And gets hung at the end. Or... That cowboy done something right because someone wronged him. Thank God. Mm-hmm. But the law sees it as wrong, Ooh, and he gets law. hunged anyway. <laughs> so they always end in the same place. <laughs> You've been reading into Johnny Cash's lyrics, but the story is a, the story is mildly different between the two. But they always end at someone getting hunged. Because the gal no, is not always there. Not always. Not the, always. The wall is, this, on the song "The Wall." This, the guy tries to climb the wall and he falls. That's right. But it's a suicide song. That is, I know. Oh. I know. Yeah, that's true. I do. Th- Here's the other thing too, though, is that I think that that's it's funny because that's such a like common thing to do within country music. But then, like, if you really break down Johnny Cash and you think about the fact that he released Bitter Tears, which is one of the most interesting country mm-hmm. albums maybe ever, in my opinion. Have you? Did you guys listen to Bitter Tears at all? Is that the Native American album? Yes. Yeah, I have that on. I I I think I have it on vinyl still, but I might not. I cannot remember, but. I was I'm I was, familiar with it. I was listening to it, and it was like so odd. So he made that in '64, mm-hmm. yeah. and so it's interesting to see a country artist who's willing to sympathize with Native Americans in '64. Yeah. Did you know he has Native well, American descent? So that yeah. makes sense. Yeah. But still, it's like so crazy because again, country music is so predominated by what you're saying that the you know the the cowboy doing this, the cowboy doing well, that. He was able to take the other side because he recognized that there were a lot of legitimate issues with the way we treat native Americans. All of God's children ain't free, bud. That's true. Which is the name of a song and lyrics all about it from 65. So, I mean, right. He's, he was maybe the most at the time in the sixties, perhaps one of the most progressive in terms of that nature, country artists. Oh yeah. I mean, I think really in general, I don't, I think that, I think I think today we see a lot more. I mean, you know, depends sure. on what you. I mean, I think Jason Isbell is a person yeah. who has become a a, a country voice. But for it's a lot easier now, though. So it how, where is. do you? I'm not where, denying that. Where do I mean, you like put that kind? Of, you well, know what I mean? he said perhaps the most 
the most country artists most like that. Oh, ever, I know that. I but mean. what I'm saying is, if you've done it for 50 years, common Jared argument. If you've done it for 50 years and um, you did it at a time where it wasn't a favorable thing, I know it. Right? Is it easy? It's he did easier it when it, now. He did it when it counted. That's true. Yeah, but so, it still yeah. counts now. So though. I, I so you wouldn't have an Isbell without a cat. Still sure, counts. that's fine. I didn't choose ago. to be born now, Jared. <laughs> I know. I'm so sick of you being. I so wish I could have choose not to be born at all. <laughs> I'm so I watched climb that wall. I'm climbing the wall. I'm gonna climb it. I watched a documentary a few years ago. It's called Remastered: Tricky Dick and the Man in Black. Oh boy! It's about um, when Richard, Cash met Nixon. Yeah, Richard Nixon trying to capitalize on Johnny Cash. That's a good story. It's funny because Elvis. A, it's, it's Elvis pretty, done it too, which yeah, is funny. That was is, that was that Elvis was like a freaking secret spy? Yeah, <laughs> he wanted to be a. Nixon That's and Elvis, great. another movie. Another great That's film. A, and then we got and then we got Frank Sinatra and living were, in the mafia. And they were buddies too. So yeah. So go. anyway, who Cash and Elvis? Cash and Elvis. So in uh, in Walk the Line, yeah. they they're, all, they're son record mates. Yeah, that's, oh, yeah, that's true. Right. In Walk the Line, that showed them touring that. together, and they like worked. But uh, in googling a little bit, they weren't like close friends. Right. But Cash in his autobiography said Elvis is so good, which is like he, I mean, what an is. easy thing to say if you're <laughs> yeah. Cash. Yeah. yeah. Like wow. I know y'all like. I know y'all like me, but. Elvis Presley. Have we talked about Elvis it, just enough yet? With the documentary, I had some pretty good hair, but that man had some hair. With the documentary, uh, I'll briefly talk about a little bit, like because I watched it year, like I watched it two years ago when it came out, and so I don't have like I didn't rewatch it, so this is just based on my memory. Sure. So basically, like uh, Richard Nixon was seeing kind of the what rock and roll was doing, and he was trying to capitalize a little bit on country music, yeah. and say, hey, here's a country guy, and Johnny Cash was like. I'm not going to just like say no. whatever you want me to say. Right. Right. So when he was there performing, he was talking about Native Americans and he was like, hey, our brethren here need help. Like, that was not what Nixon was expecting. Well, Nixon, there was a point where Nixon had asked him to play certain songs and Cash was like, I'm not going to play those songs. Because yeah. <laughs> like, he was like, will that. you play these standards that are like kind of problematic? And Cash was like, no, I'm not going to do that. And he that. did it like, like at that. the White House. Yeah. Like he <laughs> asked him to come. He's like, hey, will you be my representation of these kind of problematic views? And Cash was like, no, I'm going to play these other songs. And then he did play the other songs. Yeah. It was yeah. like, because he was really he was based on the documentary. He's really torn about that decision, mm -hmm. like what he should do. Yeah, because he didn't want to be alienated obviously sure. and not just country music but in the country but he also had very strong feelings for you know those political right whatever and so he made the decision that was best for him and it did not tarnish his legacy no. obviously well his lyrics are not hidden no. i yeah. mean his no. voice his voice is perhaps the most prominent instrument in every song yeah. for sure and you can make out what he's saying so i don't i doubt that these views were foreign to people maybe some people Push them off because it wasn't as blatant as going well, to the White I House mean, and talking about it. But it's, I mean, you know, he's got a song about Robert E. Lee. Yeah, <laughs> but well, it's like it's also just like it's interesting to see that like because I guess you kind of have this weird uh, mentality that maybe these artists kind of like um, they come to it later. I guess like you think like maybe they become more vocal and more interested in maybe what's going on in the like world. Willie. Yeah, like but Willie's always been. Willie's this a good. Well, that's true. But like well, Cash, smoke like smoke all that weed. That's true. <laughs> he's pretty big on the weed thing. Um, I think that he's more progressive. Uh, Who? Like, Willie? Yeah, like, but like aside from just wheat, 
Like we yeah. always just bring up weed with, with with Willie Nelson, but I think that like because that's his main platform, we kind of forget uh, that he has other. Forget that he probably yeah like yeah um, well, Farm Aid. He he's the one yeah, that started Farm Aid. Yeah. yeah, and and that is you know like and the that's Johnny still Cash going before. like lot of uh what's it called the other aid Live Aid Live Aid and the other what's Band Aid yeah something like that. It's what's that. <laughs> What's because there was a UK and then the US jumped on bo- board for uh, both. Do you know it's Christmas time? Yeah. And uh, what's the other song? Wait, called? am I right? Is it actually Band Aid? It's Kool Aid. It might be Band Aid. It's Kool Aid. You're right. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> See, I was being sassy, but I'm pretty sure it actually might be Band Aid. Yeah, I think that's, it is Band Aid. That's a uh, terrible. Yeah. They're trying to. We're trying to cover up the wounds. <laughs> How dare it, they take? But no, you're right. He up, did come up with the farm, and it's still farm, going yeah. on. Yeah. Farm Aid literally yeah. happened last year digitally. Because farmers were struggling. Yeah. I don't want to get too far into Willie Nelson, but sure. Excuse me. But he was in a super group with so it is yeah. relevant. It yeah. is. You're right. Yeah. Jerry and, Robinson, certified farm advocate. That's right. And like and that's the other thing. The other parallel between Dylan and Cash is they both were in very like a well received super group. Yep. Mm-hmm. Cash the same group. being the highwayman and Dylan, no, Dylan, not the same group. Uh, I'd be cool if it was, so was it? <laughs> you didn't even, you <laughs> asshole. And Dylan in the Traveling Wilburys. Right. I want to see. I didn't know if he would catch it. You almost didn't catch it. I don't no, know. I, I knew he was knew wrong. What you did. I knew I think he I don't was know, wrong. The High Women, Waylon Jennings. I'm just teasing. And Cash and high, Willie. You said the High Women. Chris Christopherson. Highwaymen. 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 Yeah. yeah high well, there's women. another super group now. High Women. The I know. High Women. I know. Highwayman. Um, the other thing, too, is that, like, it's funny because, it, yes. Um, what a joke. It's it's funny because it's not even just like being like necessarily like progressive. It's just being like an advocate in some kind of capacity. Yeah. Willie Nelson was an advocate for farmers. Johnny Cash was an advocate for Native Americans. And I think that we lose sight of artists like that being able to be advocates in some capacity. Well, we don't think about knowing that they have some kind of like level of like voice that they can use. And I think that's cool that Johnny Cash said this is an important issue because like I don't know. Who was speaking out about Native American issues in the sixties? We don't think about uh, well, other yeah, than Cash. Yeah, yeah, we don't. Yeah, Paul Revere and the Raiders had a song that did, but that was in like 70, 70, 72. Right. We don't think about country music as the as a voice for advocacy. No, really. So we do not. That's it's true. kind of like, you know what I got in my VGR Patreon? Mm-hmm. I got Willie Nelson, Poncho and Lefty, the single. Oh. All right. I, I just wanted. To, I forgot about that until now, <laughs> and it made sense. But uh, yeah, we don't think about it like that. Although in, in a strange way, it like makes sense for country to be the music that advocates for Native Americans. It's that's true. It just like sounds fitting to an extent. Well, because they really talk so much about cowboys, do so you think they'd take the other perspective sometime? <laughs> it's funny because like we sometimes forget where many of these artists come from in a lot of ways. So like we forget because I do think it's relevant. Uh, like yeah. Johnny Cash, Bob Dylan, Bruce Springsteen, all these artists. Like right. they were. They were advocates, you know. They were the kind of people who wanted to talk about issues, and they used their art as a way to talk about issues, and weren't just people like, "Here I am playing music," you know. Like, and I think that that's important. I think that's a big part of who Johnny Cash was. Was that like Johnny Cash wasn't just a guy making you know country music and recording standards. He also was a guy who went to prisons and played music for people in prison. And true. like, I think that like. It's because it, I know, again, like, obviously Johnny Cash had issues with like drugs and stuff, but I think Johnny Cash just was an overall good dude. Mm-hmm. I think that's one of the things that we forget about Johnny Cash 
is that like like we're never gonna reach a point where like yeah cancel Johnny Cash like he was just like a good dude on top of being a good artist like you could see that he cared you could see he was doing things to try and benefit again like the Bob Dylan thing he was trying to benefit Bob Dylan because he saw value in those around him and he wanted to use the, the his ability to do things as a as a way to be positive rather than negative you know he was a good man in black mm. he was a good man in black good man in black that's a good song too that came out a little bit later like that that's a little bit later in his uh career it is i think that the first instance of man in black was in 71 which was oh, okay. over a decade past yeah. his well, that's what he's gonna wear i love that i don't I, see the thing is the problem with walk the line is you don't know how much was just written to be written and how much of it is like things that he actually said yeah because when they say to him you look like you're going to a funeral and he goes maybe i am like i love <laughs> that he actually he said, said it that. twice in the movie yeah. i was like i hope he said that in real life fun fact and that's the, the reason same. the reason he wore black is for two reasons one is because that was the only matching clothes that he had with the rest of his band and the other is because when you get sweaty when you're performing it's you hard see to it. see when it's sweaty i heard those that's what he said those are two things that I I learned when I, I was heard there was a reasons. third reason. That's just because it's so slimming. Mm, it is. That's yeah. a, ooh. It, he does. Well, he did say that about he ooh. in the movie. They ooh. he said that that's the only thing that he matched with his band. And they said she his wife was like, "Why don't you just buy some new clothes?" No. But <laughs> that's a pretty good and, line too. Well, I buy that when I got old. And the baby, other, baby, baby, baby. I got a whole closet full of black clothes. I don't need no new ones. The other thing that he said in the film. Um, is like with the Folsom Prison and the San Quentin. I just albums. want to clarify. Uh, Joaquin said it. Yes, yes. Well, it was written from the perspective. And I'm tired of, of acting like he didn't. But that uh, that he said, "I'm going to go to this prison, and I'm going to record it. And if you put it out, great. I don't care. But I'm going to yeah. do it regardless." Like he didn't. They he don't w- like it if I'm going to say shit in hell. I like that part. That part's funny. <laughs> and he says that on the album. So you know that part is and true. And it's bleeped. Yeah. yeah, I know. <laughs> it's yeah. funny. Because they didn't want him to say it. She yeah. said one. Two is too much, sir. I don't know what the next... Uh, we haven't played any songs. We have not. We are 30 but minutes deep and have not played a single song. I will play mine, actually. We're going to go That's a little bit mine. off kilter here. What because a, what I'm going to say is... wild over there. Well, what I was going to say is is that this is where... I'm about to stand up and yell at you. I can be in the middle, though. Because <laughs> okay. I do, I okay. do want to We're say, all taking different roles now. That's true. So my favorite song is not the one I want to play right now. I actually want to play it later. Oh, because good. I, oh, I do. See how it is. But what I'm going to say is there's a song that I want to play yeah, and yeah, I want to play talk song. about. Yeah. So my favorite song is the easiest answer possible because it's Hurt. Okay. Hurt is yeah. easily not just perhaps You know the which best... American it's on? Hold on. It's on four. Yeah. I know. That's why one reason is the best. We'll get there. Anyways. So... I don't think it's just one of the best versions of that song. I don't think it's just one of the best covers. I don't think it's just one of the best Johnny Cash songs. I think it is legitimately one of the best songs ever recorded. Yeah, Hurt really is good. an amazing song. He puts so much emotion into the way that he performs it. The way it's performed is just immaculate. But I think Hurt is the perfect closer for a Johnny Cash out, uh, yeah, uh, yeah. podcast. And with that being said... I would like to play the song Boa Constrictor. I love that song. That song is so good. Oh, so, no. It's up to my... Shout, shout out to friend of the podcast, uncle of the podcast, not, not my, my uncle, uncle. Not my uncle. Donnie mentioned Boa Constrictor. He said, you have to listen to this song. I listened to it. It is 
One of the funniest things it's a great ever. Song. It is off of the album "Nobody Loves a Nut," which is like 1966, really it's early. Alan Sherman. <laughs> it's in his fir- it's in his first decade of recording, and it's an odd album. There's yeah. quite a few odd things going on in "Everybody Loves a Nut," which is not surprising given the album. But I do desperately want to play the song "Boa Constrictor," so I'm going to take my time. "Boa Constrictor." By Boa Constrictor. By boa constrictor, by boa constrictor, I'm getting swallowed by boa constrictor, and I don't like snakes one bit. What do you know? He swallowed my toe. He swallowed my toe. Oh gee. He's up to my knee. He's up to my knee. Oh my. Oh my, he's up to my thigh. He's up to my thigh. Oh yummy. Oh yummy. He's up to my tummy. He's up to my tummy. Oh fiddle. I could listen to Johnny Cash describe his body parts forever. Mm-hmm. It's one of my favorite parts of this song. Is that like anybody could listen to that song and they know what's coming next because it's so obvious. Oh yummy. Of course he's going to his tummy it's, next. Johnny Cash teaches you the safe parts of your body. <laughs> The parts that we don't want swallowed by a uh, another <laughs> safe for children. Another yeah. humorous song that I showed Caleb this week is a song uh, called "The Chicken in Black." I showed him the music oh, video. Uh, we don't have to play it, but watch the music video if you're at home and you want to watch. It's wild. It's, it's fascinating. Great. He tell. I love his uh, like story songs. They're just wild. There's the boy a- named Sue is the most popular, of course. Yeah, like the musical Norm Macdonald. Yes. <laughs> Yes, sure. He's good. I lo- oh man, I'm, don't get me on him. <laughs> He's, you're gonna. Uh, and uh, written a boy named Sue was written by Shel Silverstein, which mm. is another thing that's interesting. Is Caleb and I grew up reading his poetry books. Yes, and, and it, it was took, so odd to think of and him. It took a while making his poetry books and then writing a song for Johnny Cash. It was because he, he's, he's not the only of. thing he wrote. He wrote um, a cover of Rolling Stone as well. Right. He wrote this song. Um, oh shoot! It's a. Uh, oh God. I showed you that song uh, earlier this week. I'll think of it in a second. Um, I hope so. I don't remember. It's by Bobby Bear. Uh, oh no, I don't. Uh, it's a, it's about a, a a witch. What is that? Oh, song? I don't. You do your research. Point being is, is that like yes, we grew up on Marie Laveau. That's you. a great song. Marie right. Laveau looked that song up. Too. So Shelf Silverstein, of course, wrote like really children's poetry. You know, yeah, he, but he, kind of oddity. Mm-hmm. Kind of oddity too. Yeah, he was an odd. He was an odd character. The imagery in the poetry is very odd. interesting, and it was. Yeah. I, I I always very much loved his writing, and so like even from a young age, I think that Shel Silverstein is a perfect like introduction to like poetry. Yeah, there's a light a in the kid. attic of my forehead. Ah, so like because he was odd, and that's important to like poetry, and I think that he brings a, a good perspective because of the way that he wrote things. But when you're young and you think like, well, I thought he just wrote poetry. You don't think about him being a songwriter yeah. or even just in the same kind of like narrative of a guy like John. You don't Cash. really understand that poet like lyrics are poetry. And this, right. You, know, you don't really yeah. get it all when yeah. you're a kid. It's yeah. just a book that's right. quite entertaining. But the other thing that when you're talking about Hurt the Way You Did is that, that there's no way in hell that Johnny Cash knew that song. No. By I Nine disagree. Inch Nails. Yeah, I he disagree may have. He, may, he knew so, Bonnie. He knew, I disagree. He so knew Bonnie reason- Prince Billy. He not only That's knew true. Bonnie Prince Billy, he had also already covered, you know, Soundgarden. He oh, yeah, Rusty But that was because of Rick Rubin, though. 
Maybe to a certain degree, but if he covers Rusty Cage on American 3, why would you think that he wouldn't be willing to cover... I'm not saying that. What I'm saying was is... Was it Rusty Cage 3 or was it 2? I think it was it was 2. It was 2. two. Dang it, you're right, because it was What unchained. I'm saying is, he did not know that song and pick it. Rick Rubin presented it to him, and he made those songs. That's Rusty, fair. Rusty Cage, you're probably right. Hurt... Uh, Down There by the Train by Tom Waits, which he might have known. I hope but so. A lot of those songs that he performed for the American series, I don't think he like was picking them going into it as like a 75-year-old man. You think he picked the Petty, though? Picked the what? The Tom Petty. He did two of them. Well, he had Petty on, well, too. He, uh, yeah, he Petty, was on there with Petty him. performed throughout, too. He and Petty, so not even just Petty, but the Heartbreakers as well, were all involved in Unchained. Mm-hmm. which is one of the odd aspects of the American recordings. So this is the place to do it, I guess. So the first American recordings is a very, very interesting concept in its own right. So Johnny Cash had mostly faded out in the 70s and the 80s. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, once the really the early 90s rolled around, Rick Rubin decided, basically, I want to start reinvigorating the career of Johnny Cash. I think he's an artist that deserves to be reinvigorated and brought into the the limelight again the way that he should be. And so that's where the American Recordings albums come from. That first one is, honest to God, an amazing album. Yeah, it's good. Because that first one is where things really kind of sink in. I think of that one kind of in the similar way to the way that I view uh, Bruce Springsteen's Nebraska. In the way that you don't view Johnny Cash as the kind of person to have this almost like very strictly folksy kind of album. It's just Cash. It's just him with a guitar. He's just sitting down making his music. There's not a lot of like bells and whistles. And that's the thing about Johnny Cash's career is that a lot of his musical trajectory is based on bells and whistles. He would say, you know, oh, well, the producer wants a little bit of horn here. He wants a little bit of rockabilly here. And Johnny Cash was willing to do those things. And so when you hear American recordings, I think it's really cool to hear Johnny Cash just be his voice, just be his guitar, just be himself, because you see a lot of his talent through these recordings more than you do in a lot of his other stuff. I think that the American recordings, it's its crazy to see that during that time, you could really see Johnny Cash just being Johnny Cash and making legitimately really good music in his 60s yeah it's at a point in his life too where he's like you're more likely to not have to worry about anything else right so you can you can dedicate yourself to this in a way that maybe you couldn't prior i also think he chooses throughout the whole entirety of the american series but on that one more challenging material very much so so because it's, it's not just like country standards it's no. also other kinds well of standards. he covers and and this is fitting for that album but he covers cohen on that album like a bird on a mm-hmm, wire which mm-hmm. it's I like that song a lot. That's the opener to Songs from a Room. And uh, Cohen has its own kind of feel and thing. And they lend themselves to each other. But that cover is really good. And it sounds like a Cash song. Right. It sounds like it's Johnny Cash's song. It doesn't sound like it's Leonard Cohen's song. Right. Outside of the fact that the lyrics are the same, which is written in Cohen-esque fashion. Right. Know, but Well, I think that that's what's kind of the most compelling part about American recordings is that it's not just him. Because, I mean, he does bring in his old work. You know, like if you look at the American recordings, you know, like we wouldn't have had the same version of Delia's Gone Mm -hmm. without that, you know, recording. And I think probably the one that stands out the most is The Man Comes Around off of the fourth one. I think that that like that was a real good double header is that The Man Comes Around opens that fourth album and Hurt comes in next. It's a perfect example of this is me writing a song and then this is me doing what is really a modern standard now because Hurt came out in 
was it 94? Was that when Downward Spiral yeah, was released? Yeah, I believe 94? it was 94. And so, you know, then he turns it around in 2002, and he does what he does with it. And so at that point, it does, you know, I it's kind of odd because when we look at covers, we don't think about them in the same way where we're like, oh, yeah, you know, in 1957, he was doing standards. Now when you do covers, you are doing standards. You're just doing something yeah. that's different from what is the standard now because most people release, you know, new music. But, you know, when you go back and you cover something from 10 years ago in the way that he did, it's a really interesting know. version of doing that song in a way that makes well, sense for the way that he approaches music. That's why it differs a little bit, though, because the thing about standards is you just want to hear your favorite artist sing your favorite song is kind of what a standard is. right? Yeah, I mean, that's true. Everyone has songs they heard as kids because you sing a lot of these songs or something and you want to hear your artist do it. They don't. It's not super different. You know, I mean, no. I love Etta James Stormy Weather, for instance. Yes. It's my favorite version of Stormy Weather. Is it dramatically different from Sinatra other than the fact that a woman singing or some of the other renditions? It's not like dramatically different. No. But I just like Etta James doing it. I do love Etta James. And it's much it to me it's better than all of the rest of them because of that, right? But the way that when you do covers nowadays, you know, there's two ways to do it. You the do, expectation is that you're doing something dramatically yes, different the, and if you do the exact same well, thing, you uh, say why are you doing Unless this? you're Weezer. But you know that was my, where my brain went. There's the oh, Weezer, don't do that there's, to me. There's the Weezer don't cover. Don't album me right now, Tyler. There's the Weezer cover and there's the Sturgill Simpson cover. You know, yeah. So that's what in the way and he did the Sturgill Simpson cover. Why did it tie back covers. together yeah, so well? You like well. it? He I did the he did the Sturgill Simpson. Have covers, you been doing this so for a while? Not really. Oh, okay. I started. I you know, just after MF Doom. <laughs> the 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 previous rest in peace MF Doom every episode. The previous. Uh, co-host was Tex. He's now passed. And <laughs> this is Tyler here. I'm different. I've just, I've knew he passed on a book of notes. They're all pretty much garbage and none of them were any good. So we're just trying to do what we could do. Here. It's funny. Cause like, I remember the notes. He just scribbled Franz Ferdinand on every page. Yeah. We're, I, I don't know who that is. We haven't brought up Franz in a while. I'm only aware of Franz Ferdinand as Archduke Franz Ferdinand. The, the Austrian prince assassinated in starting World War starting I. World War I, yeah, right. absolutely. So I'm unaware of we, this We both this know history, person's. but Tex does not. No, he knows only 2000, early 2000s. Post-punk? Scottish, <laughs> Scottish indie something or other. I don't and, like uh, this uh, this rambling. We went on a long so we went It's on fine. A long but my point is, that is you, can, you know, the way he approaches covers is that he's going to cashify it, which is a weird term because... It's uh he defined a sound to an extent, right? But it, but he also is now in these covers. It's funny in the American recordings, he's transcending his own style. To I an agree. Extent. I think it's his voice. Well, his voice is dramatically his baritone, different. just like Johnny. It's Carriage. very. It's much. It's gravelly now, and in that way, it has more emotion in it. And and he's learned to use it to be more emotive, which is really cool. It shifted even more on Solitary Man because mm -hmm. that was when he started to become like more ill. Yes, was around Solitary Man, so you can actually, you really can hear like the difference. It's kind of crazy because that's where like I became even more invested. Yeah. So like I really I I agree with you because I think that really the American recordings are probably arguably his most important recorded work of his entire yeah. career. Because not only are the American recordings more of his cohesive albums, but they are also the point where we kind of started to recognize who he was a little bit more. As a person, you mean? As a person. Yeah. And like kind of be able to see him as the legend that he was yeah. rather than this guy who just made a bunch of music in the 50s, 60s, well, 70s. I think you know? he shows a lot. Like, Hurt's a great song because mm -hmm. I, 
regardless of how he found it, I don't. There's no way that I doubt that he resonated with. Oh it. yeah, yeah, sure. yeah. And the, yeah, I'm not saying that. And like the sorrow and regret that that song puts forward is the reality of old Johnny Cash. Like, mm-hmm. and Walk yeah. the Line did a good job of of portraying like, him yes yeah. in that era yeah because we know he's like very you know and it's like i'm sure it was uh i'm sure it was cathartic to him it was like relieving to be able to express those emotions through music in his agree. own way so it's just like you're it's a weird glimpse into the world of him and his life and and like looking back and understanding I, I, like i heard is just so encompassing of it because at the end of it you know it says that if he were born a million miles away i would find a way i mean he's still like i am me and i am this person whatever regret i may have whatever issues i may have whatever i may have done you know they've all come to build this man as sorrowful or disappointed in myself as i am i am also uh like i appreciate myself and who i am and what's and what i've done and like what people have done for me so it's like a it's just such a collective thing and it's I mean, I'm sorry to ramble on about that song, but it is Don't. just like it's a great song. It's <laughs> I'm in I, here. I saw a VH1 like thing, you know, those shows they used to do the counting about mm-hmm. best covers, and mm-hmm. I, yeah. it was number one or up towards the top. Yeah, yeah. And they it inter- should be number one with a bullet on most lists. Yeah, and they interviewed Trent Reznor, and Trent Reznor's like. When I listen to him perform it, it's almost like I had never wrote that song for me. Yeah, right. You know, like it's, it's almost his, like I wrote it for him. He's, he, I think he's really saying he's like, this isn't really my song anymore. No, you it's know, his like song, he knows, yeah. like that, you know, like, and I think that that's a cool way to look at it too. Yeah. Is that like, you know, like it's not like I don't like the Reznor version of the song well, on different. Downward Spiral for Nine Inch Nails. I, it is different. It's a very different way of performing that song, and it's still fun to listen to. But when I listen to that song, I say I prefer to listen to the Johnny sure. Cash version. Well, it's like it's about it. a man at the end of his life. It's right. You know what I mean, yeah. it, I think of it kind of the same way that I think of um, Lazarus by David yep. Bowie and you want a you darker, want darker, of course, those are the, really the three that come to mind for yep. me of a, an artist who are coming to the end and sing a song that very much reflects on that experience. Yeah. The music video for Hurt is also, I don't know if you've seen it. It's also uh, phenomenal. Yeah. And, and like, it won and, awards. And jerking, yeah. And I've seen it. I think, I think that in that same, Maybe in the same VH1 thing. Elsewhere, maybe I saw an, art, an interview with the person who directed it, and he was just like, it, "Making it was difficult." Yeah, I bet. You know? Like it was emotional just making that music video. So it's kind of come together as an entire an entire piece of expression, physically and audibly and visually. That's just really, like, I don't know, touching. Tyler, is your favorite song from the American Recording? The song I want to play is from the American Recording. Please do. It's one of my favorite. Yes. It's from American Four. Is my favorite of his albums. Yes. It's the only one I own, and the song I really enjoy on there. And I don't. I hung my head. Okay, that that, that makes sense. Well, I was wondering because when you said that, I realized you weren't going this direction. I wondered if you were going to say "Personal Jesus," no, but I was like, "That's a cover." The you're not really Mellon. a personal Jesus person. But when you I said like that it's song not his standard, I was like, "Okay, you yeah. you know it's not that one. You know where personal which, Jesus." Which one was like, it on? Four. Four. Okay. Early one morning, with time to kill, I borrowed Jeb's rifle and sat on the hill. I saw a lone rider crossing the plain. I drew a bead on him to practice my aim. My brother's rifle went off in my hand. A shot rang out 
across the land. The horse he kept running, the rider was dead. I hung my head. I hung my That's a sting cover. Yeah. Which is Oh, wild. yeah, that's right. It is a sting cover. Yeah, I, I was trying to remember. I knew you were both looking it up at the yeah. time, and I was like, I'm going to let them Just figure it weird, out. Weird. Weird. I mean, it lends itself. It's about, uh, you know, Sting's childhood fondness of Western. So it lends itself to Cash, but it's just that whole album sounds like Cash. Even uh, mm-hmm. he's got a great cover of Desperado on there. Yep. Mm-hmm. With, That's, with um, Don Henley yep. from the Eagles. Yep. So, well, wasn't that also. Yes, this is also the album. This album in particular is very intriguing to me, the fourth one. Because Bridge Over Troubled Water yep. has Fiona, Fiona Apple, Apple yeah. on it. Yep. And then the song I'm So Lonesome I Could Cry has Nick Cave on it. Nick yep. Cave is like the perfect person yes. to have like an emotional connection to Johnny Cash. Yes. There's something so like they're both, obvious they're both, about Nick Cave and Johnny Cash. They're like so, the, they're the men in black from two different periods. It's true. You know what I mean? So. When, and when he did um, his version of... Um, Oh my gosh! Uh, it was. Hold on, pause. While you're looking, I'm so lonesome I could cry is my favorite Hank Williams Senior song. So uh, that's also just a great one on there too. Yes, when he did the Mercy Seat, the Nick Cave mm-hmm. cover, mm-hmm. like it was just like this makes so much sense. Yep. Yeah. Like it's so odd to see. Like it's weird because you know that like a Nick Cave would be inspired by a Johnny Cash. And then to see a Johnny Cash inspired by a Nick Cave, that's one where it's like maybe Rick Rubin chose it, but like there's no way Johnny Cash would be like, no, I feel this song. I, I totally get this song. I I resonate with this material. So, I mean, but it I, is odd too, because you mentioned it is so, so, so worth mentioning the Bonnie Prince Billy end of things. Yeah, absolutely. That's such an odd place to come from. Isn't that wild? They're back to back. That's why I mentioned it. Yep. Great with him, just, with, with Will Oldham. Yeah, with Will Oldham. Yep, it's it's so because it, it again, like good. you could say, like, oh yeah, he's picking these, but it's like it feels good. Rick Rubin dug through music and found Bonnie Prince Billy and brought in Will Oldham. Will Oldham well, to I do mean, it, and maybe he did. But you're like, thinking Johnny like, Cash did this? It's not about that. It's more that like so many of these things are just so wholly Johnny Cash, and yeah. maybe Rick well, Rubin, I also think that I he think saw... Rick Rubin encapsulated many aspects of Johnny Cash and recognized the worth that he had and recognized what he could bring. And so, even if it's a case that Rick Rubin said we're gonna bring in Will Oldham to do the song "I See a Darkness," I think Johnny Cash would say, "Absolutely." Yeah, I'm not saying. Yeah, nobody's saying that. Right. I. That's more. Again, we're talking about Johnny Cash, so I'm just saying it speaks to him in, yeah. in a great way. Well, I way. think that he saw after the success of the first album with Rick Rubin mm-hmm. that he just said, you are going to be successful in this, and I am going to just go with whatever you say. Not like a negative thing, but saying like... You know me. Yeah, and like, you know, he's he's dealt with historically like record labels uh, trying to like put things that he didn't want... And like, you know, he's had some kind of weird songs and unsuccess, you know, like not success for time periods and such. And so knowing that he made this with Rick Rubin and he didn't have anything to lose, no, you know, and so he went in with the first record, didn't have anything to lose. And it was received well critically, similar to uh, how uh, Bob Dylan in the 90s had a career uh, resurgence as well by going back to kind of the things he was doing a little bit before and being focusing more on his songwriting and such. But like. Pick having Rick Rubin pick these songs and 
Because I don't think that Johnny Cash picked most of them. But he did. there were some of them that he did right. right. Like on uh, f- the one that we just played, the song Give My Love to Rose, mm-hmm. which is a really good song, it just means something way different now with him singing in the age that he is. R- right. like, I agree. Right. At the time, he was writing from the... Like, he wrote that from the perspective of a young man uh, finding somebody on the street, you know, like on the ground that was dying. Whereas now, he's an old man, like... He's the one being found on the ground. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, I think that that's kind of the cool part is that like, because really, if you look back on old Johnny Cash work, he is very much dominated and understood by his classics. You know, like if you look at like a, you know, Johnny Cash greatest hit album, you're going to get Hey Porter. You're going to get Cry, Cry, Cry. You're going to get The Man in Black. You're going to get, like, you know what songs you're line. getting. Ring yeah. Ring exactly, Ring exactly. Yeah. You, you you know what songs you're getting from Johnny Cash. And the reason for that is because he was not really an album guy. You know, he no, wasn't he was the kind so- of guy. He's a song guy, no Be- doubt. And the reason for that is very obvious. Well, it was there, the times, It too. was the time. That's what I was going to say. Yeah, so, like, it, that was just the time that he existed in. And so by the time that the album became the format, he didn't really thrive. You know, the 70s and the 80s, when the album became more of the format, he wasn't really a big name. And so when the 90s rolled around and Rick Rubin kind of picked up on him and helped him figure out how to take his own sound and put them into an album form, he had the best albums of his life mm-hmm. for six freaking albums. Like, And the guy made, like, what, 47 albums? Like, I, it was a pretty astronomical amount. I'm coming up with a number, but I know I'm not too far off. And so, like, he had a, a large amount of albums, but his later life was when he finally had somebody come in and say, like, this is how you make an album. But Johnny Cash knew how to make a song. Oh, and yeah. I think that people will recognize, well, like, I think that Johnny Cash's best album outside of the Rick Rubin recordings for American recordings is probably Folsom Prison. Yeah. I don't know. I, I didn't like it quite as much as I thought I would. Really? To be completely honest with you. Yeah. I, I end up enjoying, um, I ended up enjoying Orange Blossom Special. Yeah. I like that album yeah, too. I had it on a CD good and yeah. I, I quite a bit like that. I album. think that's a yeah. pretty good one. It's uh, a good one. I agree with that. I, I other than the don't d- think other twice than, it's all right is a good song. Other than the Dylan, Dylan cover, that's a Dylan. The Dylan that's covers. Dylan. Uh, no, I know. That's what I'm saying. His performance of it is a really good song. Well, I'm talking about it, Amy, babe. Which I don't know. Uh, <laughs> We're not okay, talking okay. about yeah, Amy, babe. Of course. Of don't course. think twice is all right. It's different. Also covered by Post Malone. I found that out today. Yeah, that's true. That was uh, really early. That, that was, was before he was posted. I forgot yeah. about that. Yeah, he was I very just young learned about it today. I very much forgot about full, that. Full oh, circle. Oh, he did that on acoustic, didn't yeah, he? Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. just I a YouTube video. Post he did do a couple acoustic covers. Anyways, before we get too deep, Jared, favorite song? Go. What do you got? Because I, I don't. You're, you're an, you're a. You're, you're a wild card. You're a weirdo. You could do. You could do a standard. You could do a. Right. Well, American, why don't you just let me anything. say it? You're, you're the only one with a beard, and we can't tell what your face is telling us about I'm your song. Build, I'm building you up. Uh, so my favorite Johnny Cash song is probably like, it kind of changes based on when I go to find the songs. Uh, so here recently I have uh listened to um, hold on, let me find it. I know my Boa song. Constrictor, isn't it? It's not Boa it's a great Constrictor. Song. Anyway, I, I, no one will fault you, Jared. Oh, yummy. He's up to my so, tummy. So, uh, my favorite song, and it's not the one I want you to play because it's a story. Sure. And I don't want you to play a story. One Name Sue. No, it's Long Black Veil. No. Okay. I love that song. Great album, And I've, I've been listening to that song a lot more recently. And like I've tried to find other versions of it and like covers and such because it like it's just a song that I have like started to love even more. It's a really good story song. And it's one of the things that uh, I actually texted Donnie a couple months ago 
and I was asking him to see if we can find uh like story like country music is known for their story songs. Yes. And I want to find like a story song where the end is not uh like what you wanted it to be. Not that the okay. song is bad. Yeah. But like it it like gets you in You want to be five hundred days of summer by a country song? <laughs> no, no, no. He he wants to be M. Night Shyamalan. No, no, I don't think no, so. I think he movies. wants to be five hundred days of summer. Okay. Okay. That's so, what I believe. That right, or right. so like, La La Land. So like you're invested okay, in the okay. story, and then the consequence of the story, you're disappointed. There's no. Oh, no, not I thought you wanted a twist. No. What you no, no, wanted no, no, is no, to no, be no, like, no. A lack this of, is what we're building. Like, of, we're building to, and then it no falls flat. Not that the song is bad. I see. Yeah. Just that the story gets you, and then the end of the song is a disappointment. I see. That's a whole. Okay, that makes much more. sense. All this stuff's gonna happen, and it all just ended up with Lester going down to the market and buying a chicken. I see. But that's not what I'm in now. That's not what this song is and that's not we couldn't really find any songs like that and so we'll, we'll find we'll f- I, I even tried to find somewhere. some articles and such but i i, I couldn't like google the thing i wanted to find because it was so weird anyway yeah, google this, doesn't know long black veil is a really great story song but my fa- the song i want you to play is sunday morning coming down because i love that song as yeah. a kid I never wanted to wake up from a hangover more oh than my. listening to that song. That is, uh, you're right. That is such a good... Like, it made you want to be an alcoholic, which yeah. is so stupid. Yeah. But, like, when he's talking about, like, drinking beer for breakfast. Yeah. Right. What's a, and right. it wasn't bad, so I had one more for dessert. Yep. Like, that's a great song. It's I a Christofferson song. song. It is. Which... You're right. Yeah. Well, that's why, because I'm looking at it, and it's actually, like... It's harder to find the cash version than it is the Christopherson right. version, other than it being a live performance. Actually, I know that he did it as a studio. Yeah, recording. it was on this. It was on the CD we had as a kid. Correct, and that's a very, very good version. But it looks like most of what you can find is actually the live version. I right? think they took that album off. They did. Uh, I don't know Spotify. why. I don't mm-hmm. know why they did it. It's probably on Apple point. Music. Probably. With no way to hold my head, that didn't hurt. And the beer I had for breakfast wasn't bad, so I had one more for dessert. Then I fumbled in my closet, through my clothes, and found my cleanest dirty shirt. Then I washed my face and combed my hair, and stumbled down the stairs to meet the day. Yeah, you're right. He does a very good job of like in like the weirdest way possible. He makes you want to have a hangover. <laughs> it's so it's stupid. Like, I feel you, Johnny Cash. I'm right there with you. Are you still? Uh, can you? Are you still on uh, Spotify where you can play that song? Yeah. Play the just briefly. Play the "Me First and the Gimme Gimme's" version. You got it from their album "Love Their Country," which I love. This group, they're a cover punk band. That features members of uh, NoFX, uh, Lagwagon, No Use for a Name, various uh, uh, mm. 90s era punk groups. They kept, it, they kept it busy right there. Yeah. So, what uh, what else we got? Anything else to cover? I think, I think we're covering a lot here. I think we've covered yeah. really the most. I think, because I think we've done a really good job. Again, like, there's so much story to Johnny Cash's life. 
But again, like if you want the story of Johnny Cash's life, go watch Walk the Line. They do yeah. a good job of covering for the most part. You know, not all of it, obviously, but like you know, if you're here for the story of his, you know, drug addiction, go watch the fucking movie, or like, just listen to that song "In My Life" by Johnny Cash. Yeah, like I think that we, <laughs> like I think we cover the things that are relevant that maybe other people don't touch on in the same way. Again, I do think that like the American recordings are a thing that we don't talk about in the same way that we should. I think that those are really we wouldn't have the same way of perceiving Johnny Cash today. We wouldn't have had a walk the line if it wasn't for the American. Recordings. I think everyone knows Hurt. Yes. But I don't think that everyone is quite as familiar with the fact there's five albums worth of things. It, like The Undertaker and WWE came out to um, Ain't No Grave, yes. which yeah. was on um, American Recording 6, I believe is correct. Yeah. Ain't No Grave, um, a whole mind about it, Donna. And so, like, you know, it has an impact farther extended from even his own life. Yes. We, his once, you recordings hit, come. once you hit wrestling. Your impact is so far out. Well, yeah, you're getting put through a your, freaking table. Your wrestling sphere, once you hit it, it's large. You know, I remember the Mountain Goats had a wrestling album. I do. Yes. Why didn't Johnny Cash have a wrestling album? I don't know. He messed up. He'd know. have a great wrestling album. He Here's would. an idea. Wop the line. Here's, oh. Wop the line, okay. you say. He'd All be right. down with that. <laughs> because you're mine. That's not the same. That's the ring of fire. You yeah, but I want, I want like all of his versions to be oh. wopified. Oh, I see. I like the uh, social distortion cover of Ring of Fire. Are you familiar yeah, with that? Yeah, that's really cool. Yeah, I put it on great. our playlist because yeah. we didn't really like we didn't do covers, uh, but I like because it would you would just go in this some kind of weird wormhole. Oh, and we yeah. would never oh, you would never catch. come out in the same way that I would like like if I wanted to I could not to say that I don't want to but like uh-huh. maybe I heard Walk the Line a lot because it was on Tony Hawk Pro or Underground Two. Yeah. Tony Hawk's Underground. Too. And wasn't Ring of Fire on a Tony Hawk? That's right. The under, yeah, the, yeah, yeah. The, the Ring of Fire. Okay. No, you said the Walk social... the Line. I did. So I'm sorry. Oh, I was I a drunk idiot. <laughs> it was, it was Underground 2 had Walk. Uh, God, Ring of Fire. Ring of yeah. Fire. You put it in my brain now. It's a song. Ring of Fire. Ring of Fire. It's Not a song. the Social Distortion version. It's a song with version. horns. Yes. The one with the horns is the one that's Speaking of that song, uh, probably its lowest point in the life of this song was when Preparation H used it for a commercial. Oh, that's no. Not talking if you do or do no, not no, remember no, no, that. No, 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 no. According to uh, Walk the Line, uh, uh, the film... June Carter Cash, his uh, second wife, wrote that song. Right, helped write it. Yeah, I don't know. Like, I think helped write "I Walk the Line" or uh, no "Ring of Fire." Ring of Fire. We yeah. can't get away from these two. Just the, yeah, yeah. No, it, yeah. She yeah. did because like a correct. lot of it. So you think she, she is credited as the one who wrote "Ring of Fire"? Really? So do you, not him too? That's correct. No, it was oh, her. Oh, nice. She oh, is. Like she is the one who's credited with writing that song. That's pretty so cool. So you think right she's there. the one that gave. Preparation H to the release. I think no. so. Not I think the, they asked I, wonder, release I wonder. I wonder who signed. They the... said, "Hey, can we have the song where you sing? We got married in a heat." And she's like, "No, no, just that's take Jackson. This. Jackson. I know it's Jackson. What I'm song. saying, but June Carter is on that song. What I'm saying is, she said, "No, no, take that Johnny song. I think I might have wrote it. It's called Ring of Fire, but you can have it." She's Go like, you, blah, blah, blah. She, she's. I laugh. don't want to be on your. She's song. laughing at him because she's like, "You think you know how to work royalties?" I'm putting it in She's a prep. Probably, she was probably deceased. I'm getting all this money from this Prep H commercial. You know what? I want June to roll it in. I want her just rolling the money. Thank you for listening to this week's edition of Record Roundtable. I know you're already feeling those sad emotions and you heard the door close because it was the closing of this episode. Next week, we're going to be covering Massive Attack on Record Roundtable. That will be two weeks from now. If you'd like to hear us a week from now, listen to us talk about 50 Slint on our sister podcast. 
Good Band, Bad Band. Check out our website, Record Roundtable, for all of our stuff. Thank you for listening. Goodbye. The needle tears a hole The old familiar sting Try to kill it all away But I remember everything